Good morning and welcome to the second episode of the Post-Apocalyptic Housewife with me, your host, Lucille Kirsten. I was going to tell Daniela to be quiet, but I know she's there, so if, if you breathe, it's okay. I, I really am struggling with the editing, so I, it makes me nervous if I know someone's there and no one else knows, so I'm just going to say that you are around. I'm going to start with a poem. Um, that I actually pulled off your Facebook page from a while ago. And it's by uh, Nicolette Sauder, who's the founder, I think, of Wilder Child, uh, which is a nature-based parenting. Um, and it goes like this. May we raise children who love the unloved things, the dandelion, the worms, and the spiderlings. Children who sense the rose needs the thorn and run into rain-swept days the same way they run towards the sun. And when they're grown and someone has to speak for those who have no voice, may they draw upon that wilder bond, those days of tending tender things. Um, my interview today is with Daniela Rogers. She is a farm wife. And these are her words. And even as I'm thinking, Daniela, when I read farm wife, I was still triggered by, can I call her that? Is that okay? It's the same thing that I feel when I refer to myself as a housewife. So thank you for putting that first and foremost in your description. She's been married for 15 years. She's the mother of two children and 32 fur babies, which I think is really beautiful that she keeps count of the life on her farm and that it just hasn't become yeah, numbers. Um, she's passionate, so passionate about exercise. She's a nutrition specialist, a herbalist, an online business owner, a homeschool teacher, and a housekeeper. They've lived uh, off-grid for five years, and I think the nearest town to them is about two hours away. Um, and their aim is to live alongside nature and do no harm. So what I love about uh, something else she said is they think with every move they make, is this going to help or harm the sanctuary that they've created that she says they've created because they want it to be a home for their children's children. So, Daniela, welcome and thank you for being my guinea pig today. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you and I love being a guinea pig. Okay, awesome. Um, my first question is actually, I don't know if you can see out of your window, but you can also just paint me a picture of of your farm. Tell us what, what do you have on the farm? Um, yeah, give me, give us a, a little bit of a, yeah, paint us a picture. Okay, so I have to stay in one spot, sometimes literally on a rock to get signal, because okay. if I move, it drops. Okay. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in one corner of the farm at the moment where all our vehicles are parked, the wood chipper, the trailer, all the fun things okay. that we need. But I'm surrounded 360 by mountains, which is one of my absolute favorite parts of this farm. Oh, wow. We have one road in and one road out, so I can see anybody coming in oh, and anybody okay. leaving. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And just absolutely no disturbance anywhere. There's, there's, there's no buildings. There, there's no traffic. Uh, at the moment, I have two cows, the calves, the Chickens are running loose, and my three Indian runner ducks are all completely oh. entangled in the backyard. 
Okay. And then okay. just, yeah, my kids are roaming around between them. I was going to ask everyone's... you where the kids are. Okay. <laughs> Free range, running <laughs> around in between everything. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. And then what kind of your neighboring farm, how far is that from you? So line of sight, they're about 2.6 kilometers, but it takes me about 25 minutes to get to the closest neighbor, 2025. Okay. And then from there on out, it's 12 Ks and 19 Ks to the next people. Okay. Okay. So it's quite, yeah, it's quite a distance anyway. So you never, no, go ahead. We, we have absolutely no way of, we can't see one another. We've actually gotten a, a set of radios between all the neighbors now so that we can communicate because there's obviously a lot of danger out here, um, wildfires and things, and we learned that the hard way. So we've put in radios now so that we can communicate in emergency. When was that? I remember that fire. My next um my question is actually, my next question is a bit about that. When you moved to the farm, you said you'd been looking for 10 years. What is the, what is the vision that you had and how does it now, dif- how does your reality now differ from, from that vision that you had or in any way, positive, negative, or just different? Yeah. Well, we basically set out as a family. So Daniel and I, my parent, my parents-in-law, mm-hmm. my in-laws, and then their, their vision was basically to have us, my brother-in-law and his wife and family, all of us on one property and off-grid and away from just society in general okay. as a choice. And that was our primary thing. We, we didn't have kids at the time. And we basically said going forward that having children, we didn't want them raised in town. It was just something we were, we were very set on. Okay. And we wanted a, a safe space where we could basically just bring people out where they could just find peace again. Cause that was something I never honestly felt in town. I loved what I did and I loved yeah. where we were, but I, I was never at peace. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes sense. It makes sense. So it was your idea always to have, to have, um, to bring community to you. Is that what you're saying? That because you yes. give other people peace. Okay. Okay. Yes. So I, I always loved the idea of retreats, you know, just peace and calm and let them walk every day and meditate and eat good food and just find that balance again, you know, reset themselves. Okay. And my in-laws have the exact same vision. My mom-in-law is incredibly involved in the community. So it always basically interlaced. Every Everything we wanted to do was always entangled in each other's vision okay. for going forward. But we never found, in 10 years, we could never find one farm that ticked all the boxes because each of us obviously had a different vision, like you say, for what we wanted. And none of the farms ever really ticked all the boxes. And Daniel found this place purely by chance because he was looking at the neighboring farm, the one that's 2.6 Ks away. Ah, okay. Yeah. And he basically went over to look there with an agent and she said listen the farm next door has more of what you're looking for but it's actually not for sale so daniel came over and looked and then he spent basically two years basically whittling the guy down until he came (laughs) in one winter and said listen it's fine he has he has a price if you're keen let's draw up the papers and that same day we had them drawn and that was it sure was done so then your did your ma did your in-laws move with you? What was who moved? Just us. Just us. So the the year 
he signed that same year. Daniel started coming to the farm more regularly because it it was very rough at the time. There'd okay. only been a bachelor living on the farm, basically. The owner of the farm would fly in and fly out again, and he had his little house, basically. And uh -huh. where, yeah, where the bachelor stayed was was not family friendly, really. Okay. Okay. And then we moved in the September of that year, the August, September, we moved out. Okay. And basically, yeah, started planting roots. We moved everything out of Mossel Bay, which was where we were for 15 years before that. Okay. And then just started finding our way out here. And then what the boxes that were ticked that eventually that Daniel that had him sort of set on getting that farm, what, what was already there? What was the magic that was on the farm? So water was our main thing. We were very uh -huh. set on there being fresh mountain water, you know, running streams, a, a body of water that we could basically do rowing on and send people out on little tubes and that kind of thing. So that was a big thing. Okay. We didn't want farmed land. We didn't want somebody's damaged property that you needed mm -hmm. to spend 10 exactly. years trying to reset. Exactly. You have to regenerate or you have to re exactly. uh, what you call it, rehabilitate. Yeah. Yes. And that was really something we wanted untouched. We wanted wild feinbos and proteas and just like I said in, 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 my, in the intro that you read, we wanted something where we could just integrate into nature and not have to undo someone else's harm that they'd mm -hmm. done. Okay. And, and that was and all away, yeah. away from people because that was, I know it sounds hermity, but it really was one of our biggest things because of what we wanted to do with, you know, bee farming. We wanted to cultivate herbs and veggies. We didn't trust that anyone else was going to do it the way we did or wanted to do. Okay. So being too close to other commercial farms was something that concerned us quite a lot. Hmm. And now, and now you're not, obviously you're not close to other farms, big farms. No, no. And that was really one of the, the main draw cards because when Daniel drove out here and he got back home that same day, he said to me, listen, he said, babe, this place is in the middle of nowhere. And where my entire family, my side of the family, their yeah. first response was, you can't go live out there. I mean, there's nobody. And I was going, oh, yippee. That's exactly Let's go. Right. <laughs> exactly. And, and that really was, was something that for Daniel and I especially, that was one of the biggest plus points was it's just remote and untouched and just intact. That is so I'm curious about the criticism that because I know that that what you're describing as being hermity, that withdrawing from society. Do you have because I know and especially because you homeschool and I had it as well. There are certain questions people keep asking um, and I'm curious as to what is your standard answer when people tell you you are just withdrawing from reality being out there in the middle of nowhere? So I have a, a slight lack of filter sometimes. I do <laughs> say things before I think them through. And I always say to people, I had it the other day, I went into Plet, which is our closest town, and that's two hours away. And somebody was asking about the school. And I said, well, I homeschool, and that's why I've got so little hair left. And I started laughing because I was really funny. <laughs> and they said to me, but where do you live? And that exact same question comes up. Are your children not antisocial? Sure. That, that's yeah. always my first thing. Are they not antisocial? And I said, no, actually quite the opposite. Yeah. My son speaks to anybody. He loves people. 
And when I ask them if they want to come with me to town, they say, no, please, no, not not there, not where the germs are, because they, they can't do the masks now and all of that stuff. We're not used to it. Yes, that, exa- that was, yeah, that was actually going to be my closing question, but we can ask it. Is also, how does a pandemic impact you when you are actually withdrawing from that sort of artery where it's all happening? How do you experience, is it more unsettling to you? It seems like it does kind of unsettle your children when they need to then kind of go into town or do things is it harder to um I've had it I'll be like when I don't read social media or I don't read the news for a while and I read something again I feel a little I feel dirtier than I did before when Mm -hmm. I read a lot of so how do you how has it affected you if if at all fortunately not at all to be honest because I I don't go in more than once a month Okay. Short of this being an absolute emergency reason to go, we mm. we tend to work together as neighbors. If I'm going in, I'll ask the neighbors if they need a shopping list. If they go, vice versa. Uh, so okay. we managed to stay out for a month or so. My kids understand what's going on. They understand that there is a, well, there was a lockdown. You have to go in with masks. But yeah. w- without getting stampeded by my opinion, I I find it very difficult to integrate into that artery, as you say, because there's a lot about it that I find very wrong. And it's probably because I'm so detached from it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not affected at all. I did find though, when I first went in last year, when the first hard lockdown happened and I'd been out here, I don't read news. I don't listen to that because it honestly damages my soul. I I really struggle with it. Like you say, you feel dirty afterwards. Mm. And I went in and it was like, it was a proper apocalypse. Like you say, (laughs) I just looked at this. I thought there is no way we can go forward Mm. as humanity being this detached from one another. It's just wrong. No. And I, and I wonder if your clients, when you, because you have the online business and I'm wondering, did you have to manage a lot of, big feelings and emotions of other people what states were people coming to you in when they would contact you well initially everybody hid away they I think they went into complete panic so where before I'd have quite a steady stream of people trying to improve their lifestyle and you know get their wellness back on track and things like that yeah when the first lockdown happened everyone just shut everything down it was kind of like we don't know how long this is going on so let's not spend money on anything sure and yeah yeah completely i found especially south africans just put blinkers on and said we'll just you know bunker down until this is over Mm. and when they started crawling back out of those bunkers it was not so much the emotional side that i dealt with more of what can we do that's sustainable without being having having to go into town to do groceries we don't want yeah that was how that was how i felt the biggest impact was we can't access all the foods that we need to what Mm. do we do now and did it did it make you more creative sorry sorry for interrupting go ahead no no i'm just curious whether your your planning whether the way you had done food before whether it changed because of those limitations of I can't actually find, you know, maca powder or I can't have whatever. I'm not sure. Like, did it change the way you could you adapt to what they were asking? 
I, I did manage, fortunately. I did find a lot of relief, obviously, from online shopping. Ah, that obviously helped a lot. Mm. Um, and I didn't seem to notice people falling apart as much because now what I found is with them being removed from the madness of, of the day-to-day, which mm. is something that I find very damaging yes. and stress-related. It, it just... There's just too much going on. So now with the lockdown, I actually found people could concentrate harder on themselves okay. and getting somewhere. So, yeah. you know, carving out those 20 minutes a day to, to exercise and, and release some tension and, and stress levels and bring those down was now a lot easier than trying to navigate, you know, rugby and swimming and aftercare. And, yeah. Okay. So I actually, I don't know, I enjoy it. But my kids... Not even with lockdown, before that, town is quite stressful for them because it's a lot of sensory overload. Mm. I, I actually experience it because when I go into one of our grocery stores, there's now bright lights, there's air con, there's you know, noise and people, and, and I'm tired after a day. My husband doesn't even go into town anymore if he can. If he avoids it, he's super happy. Yeah. So. And is yeah, there a ritual when you get home from town? I'm curious, what are your what are your detoxing things? It's just a general question, even detoxing from reading the news, as I often do. I wonder if there's something you do just to clear your clear your body and your mind after a day like that. Or oh, yeah, I have to. And and we've learned the day after, we actually call it the the, the post-town day because town <laughs> <laughs> exhausts us. It's, it's tiring. So when I get home, the first thing I do is strip off every item of clothing I have. Okay. I go stand outside barefoot if I can. Wow. And then Epsom salt bath. That's that's one of my first things because I, I need to get rid of those cooties. That's I, good. Oh, I love <laughs> I'm not a but I honestly find because we have no pollution where we are, I find like my hair feels tacky, my skin feels different. Uh, you know, there's, yeah, there's all this junk attached I, to me when I, exactly. when I come home absolutely i used to only feel that on the tube or the train or the bus but since we started spending so much time at home when you go to town it's like oh this is actually even f- it, it has that same feeling of yuckiness yes. yeah and it's Very an energy i don't i don't think it's just the pollution i think it's definitely also energetics for me i that, believe that 100 percent, and that's why i started implementing the grounding or the earthing so it's basically just standing barefoot outside yes on grass on grass or soil okay no concrete or anything synthetic so i head straight out to a grass patch stand outside at least 15 minutes if i can okay and then just you know just get that body back and reset itself i even wear i know my, my family looks at me a bit funny but i've even got an emf blocker a bracelet that i wear yeah that I always put on when I head into town because out here we have no Wi-Fi. So uh, uh, our yeah. brains aren't cooked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to scare all the townies off. But when I go into town, it, it's exhausting. And like you say, on an energy level. So I, I wear an EMF blocker, a bracelet. Okay. And then part of the, the Epsom salts bar thing is also just that detox process, just to get rid of, of anything chemical that's, that's climbed in. No, those are lovely. And that Epsom bath, you just do that on your town days or is that something that you do more often? 
I actually do that as a rule twice a week. So okay. a full bath with one to two cups of pure Epsom salts. I do not like treated Epsom salts, you know, with perfume in Absolutely. or okay, yeah, because okay. it is synthetic. So I tend to do the Epsom salts bath. Uh, a friend of mine who's very, very in tune with reflexology and uh, tissue salts and all sorts actually taught me to put rosemary in the bath as well. So I put fresh sprigs of rosemary in. Ah, okay. Oh, and then I do lavender essential oil and frankincense. I am absolutely addicted to frankincense essential oil. <laughs> that is very uh, interesting. Yeah, it's it's so one now, of those household things you need to have. <laughs> I'm writing that one down because I don't have it. Um, I wanted to ask you. You are your your passion is tangible, and it's always been ever since us we became friends on Facebook as well. Where does it come from? Because yes, it all kind of makes sense to me now. Everything you do really slots in with everything else. But where did what was little Daniela's idea, and where where <laughs> do these passions come from for food and healthy living? So I come from an Italian family. So food is obviously at the at the core of that and food mm. and socializing, obviously, big family get togethers and things. Yeah. But I was an incredibly sickly child. I I loved food, but I was always I had eczema on most parts of my body, including face, but badly. And mm hay fever, sinus, allergies. I was constantly asked if I was crying, if I'd been crying, if I was okay. So sure. my parents tried everything. They, they even had me at homeopaths. They tried really hard. But none of it actually worked. All that was happening was these people were allowing my parents to relieve the symptoms, mm -hmm. but never getting to the root of it. So when I got to Mossel Bay, I was spending a lot of time in the gym there because I knew nobody and I, I needed to make some friends. And I landed up spending about six hours a day in the gym and eventually started taking people around there. But that kind of sparked my love of exercise. Okay. And I started studying exercise science. And then out of my own, I always say pain to purpose, but it, it's, it's interesting. It is actually that because I was never 100% healthy. I, no matter what I did, no, no amount of exercise ever made me feel better. And the symptoms never went away. And mm. then I started adding nutrition to it and started delving into why I wasn't getting better, despite all these things that I was doing. And that's where the love of food as medicine started, because I had to, it was 15 years ago. I mm. basically went cold turkey on all the trigger foods that caused eczema. So wheat, sugar, dairy, those were my first ones, and caffeine. And I left them all in one foul swoop. What was that started... state of mind, Daniela? Was, was that frustration? What led you to that decision of cold turkey? What was the, the, the overwhelming? What did you feel at that time when you stopped all of that? There's, there's a beautiful Afrikaans word that I love, which is chutful. So <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't know what the best translation for that is, but Neither I had had enough. Okay. I'd, I'd had absolutely enough of just not looking healthy despite my line, my career yeah. was in the health industry. And I was itching. My husband had to put yellow gloves, you know, the dishwashing gloves? Yeah. Every night he used to have to put those on and we used to duct tape my, my hands closed from the gloves to my elbows to stop me from scratching. Sure. And, yeah. And 
just hay fever tabs every day and cortisone, topical steroids, which I knew was not okay. This couldn't yeah. be okay. And then when I started looking into it, I realized, but nobody, no physician had ever treated me from the inside. Yeah. And surely that has a lot to do with it. And that kind of piqued that interest. Huh. And when I started going down that route and I went cold turkey with all my trigger foods and suddenly the eczema started clearing up and I was treating my gut and my liver and suddenly I wasn't itching anymore and the hay fever was gone. And then I started really just completely immersing myself in anything and everything food as medicine related. And that was what sparked that. And then moving out here with no access to emergency care, mm. I needed to understand what I had at my disposal out of nature, basically, or from nature, that if we got, you know, a very serious puncture wound what in, in the body, yeah. what do I have or what can I grow? Yeah. And that's where the love of herbalism started. So it was really out of a bit of selfishness initially. Mm. because of what I needed but then having realized what it did for me and for my family I just it just had to be shared that was just yeah and I'm, I'm a bit of a I don't have any gray areas so for me it's black or white if you want to feel better this is what you need to do yes and it works because I've walked that road and I walk that road with people every day I'm very fortunate to be able to do that but sure. Yeah, coming from where I, I was myself, that, that pure need to just feel good again or just feel normal or look in the yeah. mirror and not think, flip, that eczema's back. Yeah. That, yeah. that was it. That's really, it's, that's amazing. I, I wanted to ask also the, the influences that, um, and I'm specifically thinking of female influences and, and your own mother and perhaps your mom-in-law or your grandmother. I want to know the woman how were women part of this, of your journey up to now? What sort of comes to mind? Mm, definitely my grandmothers. And my mom-in-law and my mom are really incredible as well in this because the, my mom-in-law especially is very in tune with natural remedies and things. She's also very firmly, you know, rooted in natural remedy first. Mm. And my grandmothers, I, I always look back um, I don't have any of my grandparents anymore, but I was fortunate enough to have them for quite a, a while, well into my 20s. And they were tough. Jeez, the stuff that they did and managed. Th there were no shortcuts. There were no easy way out. Yeah. I actually, I, I look at my childhood and I think, I often think my grandfather, my dad's dad, would have been the most incredible person to have out here because the Italian woman as well. Sure. You cooked what you found. And yes. if you didn't find anything, you, you ate what you had in your cupboard. That was it. But nothing was off limits. My father-in-law always laughs at me because my grandmother would literally cook roadkill. Sure. And yeah, and beautifully because nothing was wasted. Yeah. You know, if, if there was a guinea fowl, that thing went in the pot and that was yeah. it. We were grateful for the meal that we got. Yes. Um, they'd forage for mushrooms you know, they always had gardens where they grew their own veggies. So I do have a very strong foundation, I think, in just fundamental natural ways. My yeah. grandfather, I know you wanted women specifically, but no. my grandfather, if you moaned about a stomach ache, 
he would pull out this awful stuff, which we would run away. I'm pretty sure the stomachache went away because you lived in fear of drinking that stuff. <laughs> yes. And, and grappa. I'm sure you've heard of grappa. Yes, I have. It was grief. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was, that was there a lot. So, <laughs> so natural remedies were very big, very, very big. And, you know, my parents as well tried so hard with different ways to get me back on track from, you know, just feeling better. I was just thinking now it's, it sort of came full circle, but it's just fascinating how you move away from something that is actually in your blood and that you, and then you come back to it because it seems like that's what happened for a while with you. Yes. And it really was, like I said, I never felt at peace. Mm. And then moving out here, just the simplicity of it, I've, I felt completely at home and people would constantly say to me, but aren't you scared out there? Aren't you, you know, worried? You're just there. There's nobody there. And yeah, just that complete return to basics. I've never felt better in my life. But on a, on a soul level, just, I, I can't explain, just connected again. And I think it's because of my roots that this is what our people did. And I guess when you move in that space of your roots, there's no fear. That's what I was thinking when I started mm. the whole permaculture thing is when you are moving or in that flow of who you are, it's very hard to be afraid. Oh, yeah. There's complete peace. And it's really something like I, I often get asked, but why are you guys still there? Because, look, we've had a lot of knocks. We've really had mm. more than most. But... I always say to people, there's never been a part of me, and Daniel as well, there's never been a time where we've looked at each other and said, I think we've made a mistake. That's we, Yeah, we have complete peace that this is where we need to be. It's where we're meant to be. And just watching our kids, you know, they, they thrive out here. They don't, they don't miss anything about society. Hmm. And what are those skills? What are the skills that you think that you've already, that you can see your children have picked up on? What are the things that, that you can see they are thriving and they are not just surviving? What are those, how can you see it in, reflected in your children? This well, one of, one of the things that my family's noticed as well, because obviously everyone was very concerned about homeschooling because like you know, they often think that it's not on the same level as, as the school system, you know, or, or yeah. a formal school system. Yeah. But our children have an incredibly wide knowledge of their surroundings. They will, they will walk you through the field and they'll say, you know, this is hemlock. Don't yeah. eat this because that is what it does for you there. And, oh, look, it's lichen. So the environment is, is healthy and balanced. And, Wonderful. and that excites me because – it's I don't think yeah. exactly. They are connected. Um, to give you an idea, we lost a cow the other day. To she tried to jump the fence, and it was very horrible, mm. and she had broken her neck. But where I think normally a child would completely fall apart, yeah, they were sad, but they immediately, especially my daughter, she immediately turned around. She goes, "Mom, but that's the cycle of life." And now it's going to feed a few predators and the, and the crows that are always hungry. Wow. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that that poem that you read in the beginning, that's, that's what we're after. That whole nurture everything. 
from yeah. the tiniest little thing to, you know, everything yeah. that surrounds you because it's all connected and, and they get that. And I never want them to lose that. No. They, they understand that abusing our environment is indirectly in the short term, you know, going yeah. to affect them, but then directly going to affect them in the long term. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, those are skills. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And, and it's, they, they, they seem to be, I don't want to say more mature than their age, because sometimes I just, they do, they play for hours in the sand and they eat sand and they're constantly full of chicken poop and all things that make most people super uncomfortable. But at the same time, their logic and their, their immediate response in an emergency situation, because we've obviously had a lot of them. And yes, to give an idea, one of my family members got stung by a bee mm. and they actually went into anaphylactic shock, basically. And... My daughter, in the, in the midst of all the chaos, was running around, busy assembling an oxygen machine to put on. No. So, wow. yeah, without any prompting from anybody, she had run, she'd gotten the lead, she'd plugged it in, she'd found the nearest you know, electrical point. And sure. so that, to me, yeah, is a very different mindset. And it's just incredible. Wow. That's lovely to yeah. hear. Yes. Yes. Yeah works for us. <laughs> I have uh, two more questions. Okay. The one is the most precious commodity of a housewife. What I think I know your, your answer, but I Ooh. want to ask you, what, what do you think is most precious to you as a housewife? And I want you to also describe to me what you think the purpose of the housewife. It's a big question. I know the purpose of the housewife is in mm. your context sure that is a very convoluted question <laughs> i could go i could go in many directions and i'm kind of concerned this gives you an insight into my warped personality um <laughs> i want to see my children but i feel like that's everyone's answer do you mean out here like what do i what do i value most out here or just what in general you, what do you what do you value yes i mean it's it's going to be what comes up and while you're talking you might think of another one i'm just curious what is sort of floating at the top of what do you consider precious in in your in that role of yours um mm. okay there are a few so i might i might venture off in a couple of directions but okay for me out here one of the things that i am most protective of is our plants the mm. herbal plants, because of the value that they have. I can literally walk into my garden or open my pantry and treat whatever snots, coughs, yeah. medical emergencies. I mean, my husband's broken his finger open to the bone, and I literally had the plants necessary to close it up, you yeah, know, treat it. Are, oh, that's precious, yeah. You need those. So, so yeah. that, yes, that is, that is my absolute favorite part of having those those plants available and the knowledge to use them and i'm still mm -hmm. learning i mean there's a lot of plants that i've still got to get to but that is my my most precious commodity out here and then things like water and and solar power because mm -hmm. without the water i am toast uh, honestly mm -hmm. all of us we rely on mountain water yeah. so it has happened that our mountain water stops flowing because our pipes are six kilometers long. 
and my husband laid them all himself. Yo, so that what wasn't was, there. Wow. It was initially when we moved here. So when we moved here, everything that we needed was here. There were three homes. There were cottages. There was existing pipelines. You know, it was it was okay. a functioning farm. Okay. There were no animals, but it was a functional farm. But then eight months in, we burnt down completely. And oh, my goodness. Yeah, that yeah. was in eight months. Yo, I didn't realize it was so soon after you'd moved. Yeah, we were complete rookies. So we got here and that was it. Eight months in, they did a controlled burn on another farm and it was not controlled. And it went completely AWOL and burnt the whole valley down. Sure. Four, yeah, four but farms. Your, your buildings were safe or? Our, the main house, which was the one my, pa- my in-laws lived in. Yeah. Which was incredible. It was oh it was beautiful. And that had the cottages on. So that allowed us to have, you know, visitors and bring out any you know, tourists or things like that. Yeah. That was mowed to the ground. There is literally oh. not a stitch oh. left. Um our house, they actually use it on training videos because from an aerial perspective, it looks like God actually took his finger and went around the property and said, no, not there. Okay, burn there. Don't go there. Sure. Because we literally, our entire home is standing. And we live in, in it's it's a shed basically. So it's a metal shed yeah. that they converted half of it into a home. And the other half is a, basically a workshop. So that was left standing. And then it regrouped after our house, burnt everything down and then split again at our our hangar which is where our tractor is standing our fuel is standing and all the implements we need for the farm and, and it went, yeah it went around that and then burnt everything down to the ground so it really was an absolute miracle my husband and my mother-in-law she was out here at the time and they i took the kids the dog the cat and i rode off to a section where it wasn't burning and they basically stayed behind and tried to mow bigger areas because we had fire breaks fortunately but they were wetting the lawns and just trying to save everything sure and then we got air lifted we got um one helicopter managed to come out for us at 6 30 the next morning with our brand new neighbors who had just signed for their farm We'd never met them. <laughs> so they opened their doors at 3 a.m to complete strangers and uh, yeah, we've been close ever since. And you did not, and that you didn't move. You didn't think this was a giant mistake. A lot of people afterwards, even the the fire department that came afterwards to check everything out, we have been asked so many times, like, did you not see that as a sign to get off? And I promise you, at a, at a stage through the night, there was no panic. Daniel and I have been through some very hairy situations we've really in our 19 years we've done stuff that that looking back we probably should have died but yeah, <laughs> we're yeah. still here yeah. so they, we were watching this wall of fire coming down the valley and we'd phoned the emergency services and they said no one can come out now so they said pack your backpacks yeah you know grab what you can put your hiking boots on and there's just follow the river and we'll send in the mountains um the mountain squad the mountaineering team yeah. from the opposite side to come and fetch you. So that's what we did. We put the kids in the backpack. One was in the, in the Moby wrap, you know, against yes. my chest. Cause he yes. was only, he wasn't even two yet. 
Sure. And my mom-in-law had her dog, and that was it. But we stood at the at the kitchen window watching this wall of flames, and and we were both completely quiet, completely calm. And I'd phoned two friends, and I said to them, "You you need to just pray. Just do what you can, but just stand with me because this is this is hardcore." That is. And not- the next. Sure. No, I'm listening. Go. No, the next day when I actually, two days later, when, when I spoke to them, when we'd been airlifted, I said to them, you know, we were at complete peace. We knew we were fine. We could hike this out. There was no immediate stress. Obviously, my family were in complete states, mm. but they both on separate occasions said to me, but my all cleansing fire, that was the message that they got, which is exactly what my mother-in-law and I felt. Watching that fire coming was, this is actually necessary. You need this. So just be quiet Mm. and let it happen. And afterwards, we saw parts of this farm that we would never have been able to see. Um, Roads that we didn't know were there. You know, it cleared everything up. It's it's really close, you know. And and the Feinbos needs it. It needs that fire to germinate different types of Feinbos that don't grow unless there's fire. And is there any, can you still see any kind of remains of that fire apart from the remains of the the houses that burned down? Well, there's a lot of dead debris. The trees are just completely, a lot of them have now obviously fallen down. So we actually go collect them and use them for firewood. Okay. Um, But it's, it's really grown back beautifully. And one of my favorite things was straight after the fire, about a week later, everything was pitch black. I mean, even the rocks, there was nothing. Yeah. And everyone said to me, just don't go back. Just stay in town. Your, your in-laws have a house. Just stay there. And I said, no, that's our home. That's where we belong. Yes. And there's a fire lily. I must actually try and find a photo. But it grows only after fire. And it's only for a short period of time. And it's this bright red, beautiful, beautiful flower. Yeah. And it was growing out of the most just completely scorched places on this farm. And I'd, I'd look at this and I'd think, you know what? That answers it all. Just that. If that can do that, what are we capable of doing if we just sit tight and just see it through? Sure. So, yeah, that's kind of we, – we will not give up the fight unless my kids turn around one day or, you know – something drastic happens but for now it's worth every ounce of fight that's really beautiful and i think it's a good place for us to finish up thank you so so much i really enjoyed this talk thank you i've yeah i've enjoyed chatting to you and uh hopefully haven't scared anyone off farming (laughs) no i can't imagine i just so no i do have one more thing i want to know you said you called some friends and asked them to sort of be with you in that moment. But I know as, as mothers and as women, we, we need, um, it's that self-care. And where do you, and, and I can imagine it sounds as though Daniel is a huge support, but where does your support come from? So I'm, I'm very bad at asking for help. It is something that in my latter years now, <laughs> my, all of my years, I've started to realize that I'm really bad at, but my immediate family are just phenomenal. They are there whenever I need them. I mean, my mom-in-law and I, my mother and I, my sister-in-law and I chat every day. Okay. Especially my mom and my sister-in-law, we're online every day. 
And I do find in my line of work, it's, it's tricky because I don't want to say I do a lot of the carrying, but obviously I am there. I need to support. I need to motivate. I need to carry. It's your work. So that's, yeah. 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 And, and because I've been through it, I know how hard it is. It's difficult. Mm. But at the end of the day, for me, I, I know I have my immediate family that I can call, but I don't always do that. And that is a fault that I've had to work on and still do work on it because I do internalize everything. I kind of think everyone's got their own stuff to deal with. So, um, yeah. You know, I think, I think it's even more down. challenging for, for someone in your line of business to uh, allow yourself that vulnerability because you project such a strong image out to the world. Even every post I've read about you or that you've written, I see incredible strength. And I sometimes wonder, sure, I, how, does, how does she manage? Like, I don't know how. I, I don't. I don't know. In the sense, I've always been a very positive person. That really is something that I have worked very hard to maintain. Okay. And I will always, I'll always look for the light in any situation because I know I tend or used to tend to go very to the darkness. You know, yeah. I'd, that's why I stopped reading news and I stopped mm. looking at posts because I, I cannot deal with the darkness sometimes that humanity has brought in. Yeah. So even like for the when the fire example, uh, I would come back here and I'd I'd find reason to say to the kids, but look, that's growing back, and now it's even stronger than it was before, or the soil is actually better now after the fire because yeah. it's done this and this and that. So I'm not always. I think I am strong actually. I, I know mm -hmm. that sounds terrible, but I think out here you have to oh. be. Doesn't sound terrible. You can stand by it. I think you are strong, and it's I'm yeah. It. Okay. But I do, yeah. I do internalize a lot, so I do sometimes f notice it physically uh. more than I do emotionally. Like I, I won't. I'm not a crier. I don't like crying. I feel terrible afterwards. Okay. But sometimes I feel tired, and then I think, "Oops." Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. take a step back. Yeah. So. I've, I've had to learn to do that now. And that is something that I, I try and teach. I, I managed to start doing workshops about two years ago mm. because I was, I was, I had both feet out of society and I needed to put one back and just get involved again in teaching, which I really love. And in those workshops, one of the main things that I try and teach people is that you need to, you've seen it on my post. It, I, I put it there constantly. You need to nourish and not punish yourself. And that is emotionally, physically, nutritionally. It just goes everywhere. Yeah. Why and did you, that, that need to put one step back into society, one foot back, why, where did that need come from? Not from myself, actually. It, it was something, I was very comfortable having no feet in there at all. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, I know. I, that's what I thought. Yeah. I'm really quite happy with my feet where they are right now. <laughs> but having noticed these energy dips, and like you were saying, you know, energy has a lot to do with our physicality. And mm. it wasn't actually something that I had noticed or put together. And I went and actually saw a skio practitioner. I'm, not, I'm sure you're familiar with skio. Uh, oh, yes. I'm oh, sorry. My dog's woken up. Okay. Oh dear. And it's thundering yeah. outside. Okay, I'm listening. I'm just going to open her. <laughs> oh, shame. No, so I went for a, to a skio practitioner and 
I sat on this mat that she had and she started the session and a few minutes in, she said to me that you are not out there enough. You're, you're, you're not out there enough. And that, that was kind of the start of it. Huh. And then I, I saw a homeopath a few years ago and, and it all started kind of just leading me in a direction of I was, I'd removed myself too much. Okay. And part of my core is teaching. It is something that, that feeds my soul. There's two things. There's a lot of things. But the two, I, I love studying and I love teaching. That really makes me tick. You are a wonderful combination for a homeschooling mother, I think. I am really bad at that part, though. My husband's really <laughs> good at that part. <laughs> Especially maths. When it's maths, I call him. Because I think my skill level stopped at grade two. But, oh. yeah, so basically, I, I just... And like you say, there was so much passion for what I'm, what I do, that it was kind of bubbling up, and yeah, I didn't know how to get it out there. Social media yeah. wasn't enough, yeah. So that, that kind of started that, and and I I've never looked back. I love being one on one with people and even groups. Okay. But I do feel very strongly that we are designed to heal, and I think we're losing that ability. We are, it's being suffocated. Well, and that is up to you, Daniela. You just keep doing what you're doing. I'm always yes. just don't stop because it's yes, we are losing it, but there's a lot to be done still. Yeah, people are waking up, and then that's important. So I will not stop doing that. Um, I will be that hippie in the mountains. <laughs> well, I'm very grateful for that hippie that at least has access to Facebook, so I can keep up. <laughs> <laughs> for now, I might take both feet back and cut everybody off. <laughs> then you better write me letters or something. <laughs> I'll send a pigeon. <laughs> okay, you have a great day on the farm. Uh, oh, thank you. And yeah, thank you again. No, and thanks to you. I've enjoyed this. Daniela Rogers. Okay. Till next time. <laughs> Bye. Bye.